When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. It is game day here on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark. Glad to have you along today, fellas. A lot of excitement surrounding the Gamecocks' first home game of the year. The Kentucky Wildcats are in town. Both the Gamecocks and Wildcats are 2-0, and and we're expecting a huge crowd tonight. It's going to be rowdy. 7:39 kickoff on ESPN2, but feels like everybody in the state of South Carolina is here at Williams-Brice today, fellas. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of got used to having games like this, you know, at South Carolina for a few years there uh, I think everybody got spoiled but now uh, you sort of don't have these for a couple of years and, and now a big opportunity for South Carolina and I, I think I've gotten countless texts from people asking me if I if I know where to get tickets for the game so kind of kind of has a big fight feel uh, here this weekend for South Carolina and Kentucky yeah certainly I mean you're dead on West I mean you think of some of the some of the night game atmospheres that South Carolina's had the last several years. Um, you think of a lot of the big signature wins for this program, and one of them, remember, was was against Kentucky and Andre Woodson when they came in several years ago and uh, had a big win there, then Ole Miss, and then Georgia 2012. I mean, there's just been a lot of huge atmospheres, and so uh, night games are always preferable for fans, especially around here. And uh, they're going to get an opportunity to see one. And it should be a really, really good atmosphere, particularly with some of these new, uh, you know, things that they're putting in. But the crowd will be fired up for sure. Chris, Kentucky's been a thorn in the Gamecock side, having beat South Carolina three years in a row. And in each of the last three meetings, all three Kentucky wins, the Wildcats have run for over 200 yards in each game against South Carolina. So, you know, we figure Kentucky's looking to run the football tonight. Gamecock run defense appears to be improved over the last couple of years, but the Wildcat has been a problem when Kentucky has gone to that formation or attack against the Gamecocks. South Carolina just had difficulty stopping it. So talk about, you know, game plan tonight for Kentucky and for the Gamecocks. It feels like Carolina's got a lot of momentum coming into tonight, but Kentucky's 2-0 also. So talk about the Wildcat tonight, Chris, and what, you know, what Kentucky might try to do to hurt this Gamecock defense. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, running the football is going to be a key for both these teams, and Kentucky is something that they'll have to do. It's something that they like to hang their hat on and you know, fortunately for them, Benny Snell, their running back, he's a really tough runner. He's a tough guy to tackle. He's got good vision, extremely physical guy. And he's been banged up with a rib injury, but apparently it's going to be good to go. So if he's 100%, that'll be a boost for Kentucky. Um, but but he's someone that they can lean on. He, he can be a workhorse back. Um, and, and he's someone they could put in the wildcat. We could also see a freshman 
uh, for Kentucky. Lynn Bowden takes some snaps out of the Wildcat. He's been practicing there, and there's some sort of excitement in Lexington about what he can maybe bring to the program. So, I mean, you're right, Emerson. This team is also 2-0. and I don't think we need to forget that. They have not been as impressive in doing it and beating Southern Miss and uh, you know, down to Eastern Kentucky for a while and came back and won that game. And they've got a lot of key injuries on both sides of the ball that have really affected them, some that they had even in preseason. Uh, but I think stopping, slowing down Benny Snell, Bowden, um, I think getting a handle on Steven Johnson, their quarterback, who is a uh, who's an athletic player who's bigger this year and has a better command of the offense. Those are all going to be keys defensively for South Carolina. You know, Chris, uh, and uh, shameless promotion here, but when I was – going through your snap count and kind of looking at the tape from Missouri for my tell of the tape, I I noticed that you basically had South Carolina take that sort of second defensive tackle spot alongside Taylor Stallworth a lot of times. And it was Dante Sawyer playing a lot, Keir Thomas playing a lot. You know, I, I think maybe against Kentucky, we this is possibly a game, and, and certainly when they play some of these more I-formation, pro-style-based teams later on, I, I think this is a game where some of your bigger defensive tackles, uh, your Ulrich Joneses, who didn't play a ton this past week, uh, maybe a Javon Kinlaw, who I think we're only going to see his snap count go up. Uh, the, the thing about this staff is they seem to – uh, really be able to develop a game plan that matches their particular opponent and they do a good job of putting the players in a position not just to succeed in general but to succeed against that particular opponent I think we probably see Dante Sawyer Keir Thomas move back outside a little bit and and possibly more as some of those bigger guys inside because those inside guys I think when we talk about the run game talk about stopping the run those guys are going to have to play well against Kentucky this week I think. Fellas, Kentucky comes in banged up. You know, we talked with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com earlier this week here on Gamecock Central Radio, and uh, the podcast with Justin is up. If you're looking for some insight on this Wildcats football team, we invite you to check that out. But uh, Justin talked about the injury situation for Kentucky. Benny Snell banged up last week, and Justin said he figures that Snell is good to go tonight. It's likely that Snell will play, but Justin was not as sure about Kentucky's star linebacker, Jordan Jones, who was hurt in the Eastern Kentucky game last week. And there's been speculation that the injury for Jones could be season-ending. The coaches have been kind of tight-lipped about what's going on with him. So these are two key players for Kentucky that – you know, they, they would certainly need against South Carolina tonight in a hostile road environment. And you know, this could be to the Gamecocks' advantage if either Jones or Snell are not able to play tonight. But again, Justin Rowland said Snell figures to be good to go. So interesting to me, fellas, how Kentucky has improved their run defense this year. You know, they're third in the SEC in run defense right now. And Justin talked about the fact that Kentucky has been able to recruit better defensive linemen. And he said that's been an uphill battle at Kentucky for a very long time. I think Gamecock fans can relate to that. Uh, You know, we've talked about how South Carolina's D-line has just not been as good since the Clowney years, and there's been an obvious drop-off at the defensive line position for the Gamecocks. So I think the Gamecocks and the Wildcats are, you know, kind of in the same boat when it comes to recruiting top-flight defensive linemen. They're good enough to make you competitive on the line of scrimmage in a tough conference like the SEC. So... Uh, talk about run defense for Kentucky. You know, granted, their schedule has not been very difficult, Southern Miss and Eastern Kentucky, but I think Kentucky fans feel like their defense is improved and, you know, it shows up in the numbers through two games. They're third in the conference in run defense and only giving up about two yards a carry. Yeah, and I uh, since, since you and uh, Roland recorded, they actually have announced that 
Jordan Jones is out. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that's a preseason All-SEC choice. Um, You know, reading from the Kentucky media guys, Jordan Jones arguably was their best player on defense. So you talk about the fact they have stopped the run well. Um, They have, but I I think that that's something that absolutely hurts them this week. And, you, you know, you look at Kentucky and you look at this game in particular, it it does seem to often go back to the running game on both sides. You know, South Carolina has lost this game the last three years, I think, because A, they haven't run the football consistently, B, they have not been able to stop the run consistently, and you've seen Kentucky sort of wear South Carolina down as these games go on, and ironically with the Wildcat package. Now, the, the interesting thing about that, Chris, is that apparently they've not really had much success out of the Wildcat this year from what I've read, but... Um, Certainly, I, I think that there, there's almost no way that we're not going to see them attempt some Wildcat this week just because that's something that's absolutely crushed South Carolina the last few years. Yeah, it's and it's been something that Kentucky likes to feature, and there has been some. You're right, Wes. It's funny just perusing catsillustrated.com, our sister site on Rivals Network with Kentucky. It's, um, it's a lot of their fans have been really sort of off-put by their production in that. And so um, at the same time, there's ex- some excitement if they get Bowden involved in that deal. And it can be something tough. Um to defend it's very tough to defend but it's also and you can put some wrinkles off of it but um, i'm sure it's something that south carolina staff has been looking at preparing for they're just going to go have have to go out and execute it and you know getting off blocks um is something they they really needed to improve on this season just from the eye test and what we've seen i think they're doing a better job of that um but it's still going to be a challenge for them and you know going back to what emerson said about recruiting d lineman i mean look that's something that can separate big time programs from just good programs and so south carolina's had those guys before and that's where they're trying to get back to but it it is a struggle because uh, those guys are just they're at a premium and so we're seeing even some of the blue bloods in college football at times you know, struggle to get those types of big men on a consistent basis. But uh, Kentucky's been solid there. Like you pointed out, Emerson, they haven't played the greatest competition, uh, but they have looked good. And Jordan Jones, I mean, he is a – that is a big loss for them. He was a really good player. He annihilated South Carolina last year in that game in Lexington. Just a really fast and physical guy who's all over the field. Kentucky's an improved program, fellas. Nine and three in their last twelve ball games. They won at Louisville last year, so they've got some confidence playing on the road that you know maybe they have not had in years past. And I wanted to get your feel for this game, Chris. We'll start with you. You know the atmosphere at Williams Bryce tonight should be spectacular. Again, Carolina's got momentum beating two Power Five teams away from home to open the season. And I read earlier this week that it's just the second time in 124 years of Gamecock football that Carolina has won two games to start the year away from home, you know, before the home opener. So sell out tonight at Williams-Brice for the uh, home opener, and it's an SEC game against a Kentucky team that, you know, fellas, the Gamecocks have got to be anxious, excited to play Kentucky because they have lost three in a row. You know, I just feel like uh, this game has taken on added significance because of the Gamecocks' hot start. And because it is a Kentucky team that's won three in a row against the Gamecocks, it feels like this game has taken on added significance. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think just aside from that, um, it's just big. It would be big for this team if they could start out 2-0 and in the SEC, 3-0 and start. That would be significant. And, and, yeah, get that sort of monkey off your back in terms of beating Kentucky. I mean, there's some games that 
really sort of showed where the program was at. And that's not to take anything away from Kentucky, but when they when they line up on the field, when this South Carolina team that had been so good um, for a four or five year period takes the field against Kentucky and looks outmatched, that means that you know things have changed and things have gone in the wrong direction. And so um, trying to get back to that. Um, this would be a sort of a measuring stick. I think they, you know, they've even called it that, a measuring stick game to see where they're at and what kind of progress they've made. And um, you know, starting three and zero, two and zero in conference would be huge because when you look at this schedule, I mean, your your first thought is, you know, this team is, needs to get back to bowl eligibility. It's still a team that's uh, in the formative stages of the Muschamp era, trying to get things installed with the way they want to do it, and. You know, you, you look first and say, okay, what's the path to bowl eligibility? And we knew that in the early part of the schedule, that's where they were going to have to make some hay. And so far, so good on that. And so they need to keep that going with, you know, Kentucky and then Louisiana Tech. Be a couple good opportunities to pick up a win and get towards that. Wes, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw earlier in this edition of Gamecock Central Radio here. And, you know, I was looking at snap count on Gamecock Central earlier this week, and I was surprised to see that Kinlaw only played 14 snaps on defense. He batted two passes at the line of scrimmage, one of which led to the Bryson Allen-Williams interception. And Kinlaw also blocked the field goal on special teams. You know, that was a key moment in that ball game against Missouri last week. So, you know, one of the big themes of the offseason has been how could the Gamecocks improve defensive line play? And I certainly don't feel like all of the Gamecocks' ills have been solved on the defensive line. But, you know, we wondered aloud who might be able to come in and make an impact on D-line. And Javon Kinlaw has been one of those players early in the season. Did it in just 15 snaps against Missouri, man. He was an impact player last weekend. Yeah, he, he really was. And it, it almost felt like just when, when he was on the field, good things happened. I, I think he was actually on the field for Jamias Williams' interception as well, even though he didn't really have much of an impact on the play. So from an efficiency standpoint, he has a, he has a knack for making good things happen. And, you know, I think you look at the amount of conditioning that it takes to go rush the passer and to be a guy who's get you know, these, these guys inside, they're getting banged on every single play. So, um, you know, the conditioning level to be that size and to continuously play, uh, you know, the majority of a football game uh, is very, very tough to get to. And I, I think that's something that maybe Ken Law just isn't quite used to yet. But, you know, he, he's shown the flashes of being that guy who can really help this football team. I, I think next year, certainly when you look at some of the losses for South Carolina defensive line, you know, Javon Kinlaw is probably going to be a starter for South Carolina. But this year, uh, I think you continue, you kind of have to continue to use him in a uh, a manner where you're, you're just getting him out there for a handful of snaps at the time. You certainly aren't, don't want him out there on third and long. But I think the more, you know, th- this staff talks a lot about uh, consistency. They talk about being able to trust the guy to, to be where he's supposed to be. The more you see Javon Kinlaw make plays, the more he's going to be on the field. And, and again, a, a lot of times their decisions go back to matchups as well. So I, I think certainly against running teams and maybe in third and short situations, you're going to see Javon Kinlaw continue to play more and more, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But I, I think if you're South Carolina, ideally – by the time you get to that Arkansas game, a team that's going to get in the eye formation and run the football, you certainly want to have built Javon Kinlaw up to where he can maybe play, um, 
you know, I don't know I don't know if twice as many snaps is realistic or maybe ten more snaps than he did against Missouri. I, I don't know what that number is, but certainly this is a guy who's gonna I think play more and more depending on the situation throughout the season and, and is gonna play a bunch next year. Yeah, and I think he's actually even been even for this staff has been somewhat of a surprise. I mean, they thought he could come in and give them some snaps and, and be a guy who could help stop the run and be a big body who can take on a double team, but he's really he's come on. And, I mean, you guys pointed out the impact, the plays that he made. You know, if you're making a significant play every third or fourth snap you're on the field, then you're doing something right, especially as a defensive lineman. And so um, he's a guy that I think is going to be a really good player potentially next season. But for now, he's going to have an important and key role and one that, as you said, Wes, could expand as the season goes on. I mean, these guys are still newcomers. I mean, we we forget that sometimes despite all the recruiting accolades and even despite all the talent, um, they still have to come in and learn and adjust. Um, Some of the best players in college football history, NFL guys, Pro Bowl guys, they've come in and redshirted in college. And so, um, you know, sometimes it takes a, a few games for them to get acclimated and really come on. Fellas, when you look at the offensive and defensive statistics in the Southeastern Conference through two weeks, you see that the Gamecocks are in the bottom two in both offensive yards produced and in, in defense yards allowed. The Gamecocks are near the bottom of the rankings in the conference in both categories. So those numbers clearly don't tell the whole story. So I wanted to get you both to comment on special teams. I don't ever remember a start to the season where Gamecock special teams have been so effective. Colin Taylor ran a good piece on Gamecock Central this week that we would invite you to check out on the special teams. Countless big plays in that Missouri game. Debo Samuel, obviously, with the kickoff return for a touchdown that started to turn the momentum of the game into the Gamecocks' favor. And Joseph Charlton had a 73-yard punt. Ken Law blocked the Missouri field goal. Javon Charleston forced a uh, blocker into a Missouri punt return, man, that forced a muff, which the Gamecocks recovered. And Will Muschamp said after the game that that was the play of the game. So Gamecock special teams have been lights out through two games, fellas. You know, if if there's no way Kentucky's going to kick to Debo Samuel tonight, I think we understand that. If they do, it'll be a mistake on the kicker's part, and Mark Stoops will probably lose his mind if that happens. But it hasn't just been Debo Samuel, fellas, and that's the point here. It's been a contribution by the entire special teams unit, and I'm very impressed with the way Will Muschamp and Coleman Hustler have put together Gamecock special teams because they've really made a difference in the first two games, no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those plays you listed off, Emerson, those are tremendous football plays. And, you know, I I was telling Wes yesterday when we talked that I had not even noticed live – I noticed the ball coming out, but I didn't notice live that Javon Charleston had actually thrown his man into the into the uh, punt returner, and that was just a just really a brilliant play, and that's a sign of a smart player and, and good coaching. And so, uh, I think the group surpassed expectations so far. I think I think it's it, it's some good fortune that they have not had to answer the question that we all still have, and that is, can they make a pressure packed field goal? you know, in a close game situation. And maybe they don't have to answer that this season. I'm sure that'd be a positive if, if they didn't. But, um, you know, that's still the question that remains. But we knew this team would be faster overall. They'd have some more bodies. They'd have some more athleticism. But they've really worked hard on special teams and understand that that's um, a third phase of the game in which they can really separate themselves. And so we've seen a lot of starters on special teams, although they they may scale that back. We may see some – 
some guys sort of be brought along slowly, including some freshmen who can come out and make an impact there. Uh, but they made some game-changing special teams play, and I think you know you can credit recruiting and coaching, and you can credit South Carolina just having some some guys like Debo Samuel who are just really good football players as well. And Chris, to hop in on this, um, I, I think that's maybe a key for them going forward because you look back at the the NC State game. I, I think they and Muschamp even mentioned it. They were a little bit fortunate that some of those starters were able to sort of gut it out, but. They probably wore them down a little bit, I think, on you know playing defensively and playing special teams and doing a lot of different things all at, the whole game basically. So, you know, I think we, you know, we we talked all off season about the the possibility of some of these freshmen getting in there and and helping on special teams. So, to to me, that I think that would be a smart move. Um, for them to to look at some of those guys, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and we've seen the first two games. Uh, you know, the Missouri game, we saw a new guy or two get integrated onto special teams. Um, and I think there's a good chance against Kentucky that we may. And so, yeah, I mean, like you said, lots of snaps against NC State. Um, they're playing uh, not as many snaps against Missouri, which was good for them. But they, they still play, you know, a tempo team in which you're running around a lot and getting lined up. And it's mentally and physically tiring. And so, um yeah, I mean, the, the more guy, they would like to have more guys emerge. They want to put their best guys out there, but if they feel comfortable where they can put some freshmen or some backup guys at those special team spots, uh, then I'm sure they'd like to do that, just not at the expense of, of the production that they're enjoying right now. Yeah, and, uh, and Emerson, I, I think to your point, to me, a lot of times, uh, some teams sort of just seem to be good at special teams and other teams uh, don't really. And I don't know if it's it's probably not from the coaching staff, but, uh, I mean, South Carolina for years and years and years has just not been consistently good at special teams. But I, I think there's a little bit of a snowball effect here where, you know, one thing Muschamp always talks about is when guys work hard at something, they want to see tangible results. So if you're a special teams guy and – Special teams coaches are always trying to get guys excited about special teams. Uh, you know, they want it to be right up there with offense and defense. Um, if you're a special teams guy and you're seeing that hard work and practice pay off, uh, you know, with the kickoff returns, uh, you had the field goal block. It, it, like you said, it hasn't just been Debo Samuel. When you see those results, I, I think it makes you only want to work harder. And if you're a guy who's not on special teams, you may you may want to be on special teams. That may give you some incentive. So I, I think there's a possibility that this thing kind of snowballs. And if you're South Carolina, you're not going to out-talent many teams. Even though the talent is getting better, uh, you're not going to just out-athlete, out-talent a lot of teams. So in these football games, what do we talk about that can make up the difference? Turnovers, obviously. Red zone play, obviously. But who makes the special teams plays? and avoids the special team's huge mistakes generally is the team that can win when you kind of have, or even if you're a talent deficiency, if you're the least talented team, but you do those three things, you can be 2-0 and or 3-0 and if South Carolina can do those things Saturday or tonight. Yeah, fellas, there's been years where the Gamecocks didn't make as many special teams plays for the entire year as they made last Saturday against Missouri. You know, you think about the, the Charlton punt. That flips field position. You know, just one punt in the ball game can really change the momentum. And Charlton did that with the punt. The Javon Charleston forced fumble was a huge play. Much Amp said it was the play of the game. And I don't think we need to say much more about Debo Samuel, SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. That has been the most pleasant surprise of the season, for my money, 
the play of Gamecock special teams. So let's talk about the Gamecock offense a little bit, and then we'll go to the Gamecock Central hotline. We're going to take your phone calls today on the GC hotline, and we do have a couple of calls to get to today. But I wanted to get you fellas to comment on the offense first. I've been reading and and hearing about Jake Bentley all week, and the two words that I hear most commonly associated with his play through two weeks is that he is effective and he is efficient. So talk about Bentley, four touchdowns and only one interception. He's really been good. You know, we we knew the Gamecock offense. We expected the offensive unit to be solid. I think they've been every bit as good as advertised, and I think they're only going to get better as the season goes on. So talk about how Bentley directs and manages this offense and what he brings to the table. And I want to get to the running game as well. Tyson Williams was the Gamecocks' leading rusher last week after he didn't get a single carry in the opener against NC State. So to me, the play of Bentley obviously helps the running game. And the better the running game is, the more that's going to help Jake Bentley. Yeah, I mean, Bentley has been efficient. You're right. And he has made some – you know, for me, you look back at the NC State game, that was the uh, the biggest indicator that he's a game changer at quarterback. You look at some of the scrambles he had. You look at the scramble where he threw the touchdown pass to Debo Samuel, hit him right in stride. And he made some plays against Missouri, too. The thing about the Missouri game is, is Jake Bentley didn't play nearly as well as he's capable of. You know, we, we saw early on he missed a couple throws that he could have had. I'm sure there's some that he wants back. Um, but overall, I mean, he's done a really good job, like you said, Emerson, managing the offense, but he can also make a play for you. He can also scramble out and run and get you some yardage. Even on third down, he can he can scramble out and hit some guys. He can make some really, really accurate, good downfield throws. And so you got to remember, he's still a sophomore. He's played, what, 10 games in his career. Still a young guy. And so he's got a lot of arm talent. He's got a lot of ability. He studies defenses. And so he is, I think, you know, just going to get better. You know, the running back situation, the running game hasn't got on track yet. I think there's some reasons for that. You know, low snap count against NC State was one. Missouri, you know, they didn't really get it going until later. Tyson Williams sort of gave him a shot in the arm. The the touchdown or the should-have-been touchdown run that he had uh, that was marked just short, I mean, that was as good of a 30-yard run as you'll see. Uh, in terms of what he was able to do. So um, th- they'll get creative with their options. We've we've started to see the playbook open up more with that, and certainly they'll need to run the football more effectively than they had from an efficiency standpoint as the season goes on. And, and I think to add to that, Chris, we're probably going to see this offense, I, I think, steadily get better as the year goes on. I think we've seen flashes of that. I think the exciting thing for South Carolina fans should be that Jake Bentley has been efficient. He's been solid. He appears to know where the football needs to go uh, 99% of the time. But I don't think we've necessarily seen Jake Bentley at his absolute best yet. And, you know, he he would be the first to tell you he's missed some throws um, that that he normally doesn't miss. You know, this is a guy that has always been known as an accurate passer. So, you know, I, I think you see the leadership. You see the fact he's a competitor. He's a winner. He's all those things, but I think as this offense has more and more time on the field together, now they get back home. To me, offenses always get a little bit of a bump when they're at home versus on the road. Jake Bentley has played better at home. So I I got a feeling that this offense is going to really start to kick it into gear this week. I've heard it's been a great week of practice. It's been very uh, you know near mistake-free in practice this week. I, I think this week I, I have South Carolina scoring 38 points. I think that this is a 
a start a start to this offense just sort of getting better and better as the year goes on. Gamecock Central Radio, it's game day. Emerson Phillips, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, glad to have you along today. 739 kickoff for the Gamecocks against Kentucky, a sellout crowd at Williams-Brice for tonight's ball game, and it's a blackout as well. Gamecocks fired up to face Kentucky tonight in the first home game of 2017. If you have not downloaded the Gamecock Central phone app, we encourage you to check it out now. The Gamecock Central radio app is on the App Store and on Google Play. It's a free app, and it allows you to listen to our podcast on your cell phone or mobile device. Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Gamecock Central Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other popular services, or visit radio.gamecockcentral.com. And we want to invite you to check out the Gamecock Central Hotline. We've got this new phone line set up. You can call in, leave us a voice message, and your questions on Gamecock football will be answered by Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. And on that note, fellas, we will go to the Gamecock Central Hotline right now. The number is 803-497-9058. It's 803-497-9058. And our first call today is about Ortre Smith. Yes, I'm Roy from uh, Greenville. I was just wondering, uh, um, basically, uh, Ortre Smith, has there been a problem with him or anything, or has uh, uh, we just so stacked at receiver, he's not got an opportunity yet? Uh, be interested to see what you got to say. Thanks. So, Wes, what do you think about Ortre Smith? You know, he hasn't exploded in the first two games. Opportunities for him have been limited, but we know he's got tremendous potential. Yeah, and I, I would just caution, and by the way, thanks for the call. We uh, we want to have more and more of those on the show, but I, I would caution not to get too caught up in the fact that a true freshman hasn't really made that impact yet, especially at a position that, that South Carolina has some some really good players already at. And, you know, Ortre's been on the field a, a little bit, I, I think, certainly – when you have to open up with two Power 5 teams on the road, it's a little different than if you were able to just bring in some cupcake and blow them out and, and maybe get your freshmen and your backups on the field in, in the fourth quarter. So uh, I think you know maybe later on if South Carolina can, can get a lead on a team or just as the season progresses or maybe a, a guy gets banged up in the receiving core, you're going to see more and more of Ortre Smith. But he's been out there. Uh, no, no reason to panic. If you know, if there's a reason to panic, he wouldn't be on the field. He actually, uh, Chris, he he was open on that uh, touchdown pass down the seam to Hayden Hurst. I initially thought that football was going to Ortre. So, um, just one of those things where all freshmen, it takes a little bit of time for them to get ready to to play and play a lot. I think. Yeah, and I mean, South Carolina has a couple good ones in, in Depot and Samuel and Brian Edwards, and then Shai Smith, who's obviously a very different type of receiver than Ortre, won the slot won the slot receiver job. And so, look, again, I keep going back to it. First game, there's not a lot of snaps to go around for anyone. Um, second game, there's more. Um, but, you know, they, they you know work on distributing those, and you want to get your best players on the field. And right now, I mean, Debo Samuel and Brian Edwards are proven guys. They're starters for a reason. And so uh, when one of those guys has to come off the field, Ortre's one that can spell them. And um, I have a feeling he'll get some opportunities this season. Um, and it would surprise me if he went this season without, for instance, getting a catch. Uh, but, it's you know, it's just been two games, and he's seen the field some, uh, which I think is a positive and will continue to get him acclimated. Any play or any idea that gets Debo Samuel off the field if he's not worn down is probably a bad idea. So I, I yeah. think, uh, you know, Debo, Brian Edwards, too, when those guys are, are not needing a breather, they're going to be on the field. And, and like Chris said, uh, 
Shai Smith, the fact that he's a slot guy, uh, and he's a great play. He's going to be a great player, I think. But just as much as that is that he is a slot guy versus an outside guy is what has sort of put him on the field. And and I, I think we probably get to see a little bit more Randrikas Davis potentially in the slot this week as well, which his injury sort of helped pave the way as well for Shai Smith to sort of get on the field before or Trey Smith. Yeah, people forget Ortrey's a true freshman. You know, we we got an instant gratification society nowadays, folks. And, uh, you know, you got to give Ortrey some time. He will grow physically. He will grow mentally. And I got to believe there are going to be opportunities for him to produce in a big way as the season progresses. You know, the more Debo Samuel and Hayden Hurst and Brian Edwards produce, the more that's going to open up opportunities for not only Ortrey Smith, but Shai Smith and Drake Davis and these other Gamecock receivers. So this is a good problem to have and I think uh, Ortre will certainly contribute more as the season goes on and as his career continues so because he has not produced a lot in the first two weeks not a big deal in my estimation all right let's go back to the Gamecock Central hotline here 803-497-9058 you want to call in be a part of the Gamecock Central podcast we'd love to have you and our next question is about the quarterback situation we know Jake Bentley's been good but what about the Gamecock backup yeah this is Kevin in Minnesota longtime Gamecock fan you're podcast is really great yeah my question is where are we at number two quarterback every college football team needs a number two quarterback I see Skarnacki on the depth chart what does a Carolina offense look like with that quarterback and it's going to happen suddenly if it doesn't happen at all it would be wonderful but let me know what you think on that Chris you want to take this one you know the Gamecocks are obviously heavily invested in Jake Bentley and if anything happens to him who knows what the season may hold so keeping Bentley healthy obviously is priority one right now for the Gamecock offense but talk about that backup spot right Skarnecchia is listed as the number two well yeah and and Bentley is certainly a key to this offense for him to stay healthy is really important this season. You know, Skarnecchia is someone who they've been overall happy with in terms of the preseason that he had. He's just he's just an unknown because, he look, he's been around the program a while, but he missed last season. Uh, he's thrown one career pass. He's thrown no career passes in Kurt Roper's offense on the field in an actual game situation. So that's a concern. And there would be a significant drop-off in that situation. I think South Carolina would really have to, you know, take hard looks at their game plans if they had to roll with anybody but Jake Bentley. Um, you know, and so really I, I could say, well, I think it would be this or that. I think it's a huge question mark. You know, um, I do know there would be a drop-off. How much? Difficult to tell. Um, and, and then beyond Skarnecki, you've got Jay Urich, who's a, a freshman who they have been happy with in terms of some things he's done and how he's developed. Uh, but he's still very young and needs a redshirt year. And then you got some walk-ons behind him with, with Danny Gordon, who's the holder on special teams, and, and Bailey Hart, Portray Smith's former teammate from Wando. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's not a really good situation at all in terms of depth behind Jake Bentley. All right, we appreciate the phone call on the Gamecock Central Hotline. That's been a fun new feature that we've added, and we do want to encourage everybody to call in. Just leave your voicemail, and Chris and Wes will answer your questions. Maybe you got a question about a future opponent or about the Gamecock team in general, whatever your question may be. Call the Gamecock Central Hotline, and we'll get you in on the next Gamecock Central podcast, 803-497-9058. All right, fellas, that brings us to keys to victory today, and we're going to hear from Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Again, a good podcast with Justin earlier this week on the Kentucky perspective coming into this ball game. and here's Justin with Kentucky's keys to victory tonight. There are several things that Kentucky's got to do well. I mean, any number of variables could shape the game, but number one, 
they've got to clean up the center exchange exchange issues. There's been some back and forth between Bunchy Stallings and Nick Haynes at center. They've both been banged up at different times, and they've had a problem, a recurring problem of high snaps, wide snaps, just inconsistent snaps. They can't have that on the road because that can lead to turnovers and it can end drives. And you got to be crisp in a hostile, hostile road atmosphere. I think the offensive line needs to assert itself. They haven't run a whole lot of plays because the line ha- hasn't allowed them to continue to drive. They've got to run 70 plays and lean on that South Carolina defense, test its second-level depth. I think they feel like that could be an advantage, but the offensive line has got to play really well. And then the third key, of course, special teams, the story of South Carolina's season so far. The story of the Kentucky program really for a long time they can't let Debo Samuel turn the game on one or two kickoff returns. They got to watch out for him on jet sweeps and on and on pass receptions as well. But they they've got to be especially effective at covering kickoff. That's Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com with Kentucky's keys to victory. And now we'll send it over to Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer, who's got Gamecock keys to victory. Obviously, South Carolina struggled stopping Kentucky's running game over the past three seasons, uh, especially last year in Lexington and running the ball. I think the the run game on either side of the ball is going to be huge uh, against Kentucky just because, you know, that, that sets the tempo. You know, we saw that last weekend against Missouri in the second half. And, you know, South Carolina ran the ball really, really effectively and it opened up a lot of point opportunities for the, the Gamecock offense. Uh, and I think that South Carolina wants to – they're going to have to put Kentucky behind the chains a little bit, force them into third and long. They want to get off the field just because they're, they're running back tandem so good. Um and I think, you know, South Carolina's going to want to get the ball in the space, too. It's a lot like NC State, where Kentucky has a, a pretty good front seven, uh, so they're going to have to do a lot of outside runs, a lot of screen plays, get the ball to Debo Samuel, Hayden Hurst, and those guys out in space and be able to control lines of scrimmage. And I think, you know, if they do that, then uh, they should be able to win this game. It should be a fun one. Uh, not People don't know what to make of these two teams after the first two weekends of the year, um, just because there's really not a whole lot of sample size. But um, we'll know a lot more after today. Two pretty equal equal teams in terms of where they have been over the past three seasons. Um, but it uh, should be a fun one to watch. So there you have it, fellas. A huge ball game tonight in the SEC East. We talked earlier this week on Gamecock Central Radio about the fact that, uh, you know, if you have designs on winning the SEC East, if you're the Gamecocks, you got to handle the likes of Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. So, Wes, that's what we've got tonight. Uh, home opener for South Carolina. A lot of momentum for the Gamecocks coming in 2-0. and And we figure it's going to be a rowdy crowd tonight with the blackout and, you know, Muschamp on the call-in show Thursday night. Carolina calls, told the fans to get loud, to be rowdy. Todd Ellis echoed those sentiments. And we figure the place is going to be jumping tonight. And I'm excited to see some of these new um, implementations for the the game day atmosphere. you got a, a DJ who I actually – have a little story that's uh, on on the site as well, or going to be on the site, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, DJ A Minor, who is, is a guy that is, has come in and sort of will supplement um, some of the other stuff going on around the stadium. And I, I think, uh, guys, I, I'm I don't think I'm being overly I don't think I'm overstating it. To me, this is the big this is the biggest uh, game so far of the very short Will Muschamp era at South Carolina. Just in the fact that you can start three and zero, very very winnable game next week that would get them at four and zero. They would be two and zero in SEC play, two and zero against SEC East opponents, like you said, Emerson. And uh, the other side of that is you got all kinds of top prospects that South Carolina's chasing that can help South Carolina in the future, who will be on campus watching this game tonight. 
Uh, like I said earlier, it's a big fight, Phil. Uh, I know the fans are ready. I know everybody in Columbia is ready for this. The tickets have been scarce. It's the first time I've been able to say that in a long time, I feel like. So this is a key, huge game for Will Muschamp and this Gamecocks program. Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, a, a lot of people are, are on the outside may look at that and say, well, how, how's a how's a night game against Kentucky, you know, such a huge game? But I completely agree. I think it's a pivotal game because it, it just checks off so many of the boxes that South Carolina needs to check off right now. You know, first of all, uh, you know, aside from the Tennessee game, I mean, what, what home game night atmosphere can you point to as being a really good one since Muschamp's been here? There just hasn't been many. Um, and, and there are reasons for that, certainly. Uh, but now they've got that opportunity. They've got an opportunity to get to 3-0, and 2-0 and in the SEC. Like you said, Wes, lots of talent, lots of big-time recruiting talent from the 2018, 2019, even 2020 classes that are going to be on hand. So um, it's going to – this start that they've had on the field has helped with some of those guys, and a good showing and a great atmosphere – uh, would go a long way towards sort of solidifying their status with some of these guys and, and giving some of them something to think about as well. Fellas, one other aspect to the game tonight is the recruiting angle. South Carolina's got a number of top recruits coming in to take in this game tonight. And, you know, we got the complete list for our insiders on uh, GamecockCentral.com. But I wanted to get you to talk about you know, some of the top players that will be coming in for today's game. This is a huge weekend in terms of recruiting. Uh, and we know that Muschamp and his staff have really done an outstanding job recruiting. I, I always go back to Muschamp's comment. He says, recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you look like a bum. And Will Muschamp is no bum. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a, a great quote, uh, you know, right up there with the uh, – you know, he says he can sell ice to Eskimos. And I, I think at, at South Carolina right now, that, that's been tested a little bit these, these first couple of years. And I, I think this – you know, we've talked about this atmosphere tonight. This is what you what you need to be able to sell. Like I, I think South Carolina and Will Muschamp and this staff, they have the attention of difference making prospects. But you need a little bit of juice just just to get them in the door, you know. And I, I think they have not necessarily had that. You can't sell three win seasons, or even frankly, uh, you know, six win seasons can be tough to to sell to some guys when you're going up against Alabama. Uh, you know, Clemson, schools like that. So th- this is key, a chance to start 3-0. and And, you know, I-, I look at the list of prospects, and particularly, Chris, I look at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, some lo- a local kid in Channing Tindall from Spring Valley, I don't think it's any secret that he's a guy that, uh, you know, has been expected to be at the game for South Carolina, or Rick Sandage from Concord, North Carolina, the big-time de- defensive tackle among several top defensive guys who South Carolina hopes to have in tonight, you start adding those guys to the young stable of talent that they've already gotten, and all of a sudden that uh, that defense gets a lot better really, really fast. It does, and that's where they need, you know, if, if that, I guess that would be a surprise that Gamecock fans and even some folks like us, Wes, and following recruiting so closely with this program have said, you know, where are the defensive talents? And look, you have to slow down and say, hey, they, they've gotten some of those guys, but there's no doubt that this is an important class to continue um, building on that side of the ball and then taking things to the next level. When you look at Channing or Dax Holyfield or J.C. Horner, who's committed to Tennessee but still going after him, a talented defensive back, or Rick Sandage, you know, some key spots um, and, and some really good players, some of the best in the country at their positions that South Carolina's poised 
you know, to be in the game with until the end. And so, you know, this is a showcase type atmosphere because the fans are really going to be fired up. And if, if the team can, could sort of match that intensity on the field and turn in a, a good performance. I think it's going to pay dividends with some of these guys. Don't doesn't mean they'll land them all, um, but it's certainly going to give South Carolina a really good uh, chance to do so. All right, huge recruiting weekend as well. That's part of the backdrop to this matchup against Kentucky tonight. Again, a 739 kickoff. It's on ESPN2, but a lot of folks are in the capital city for this matchup tonight. A sellout crowd at Williams-Brice for the Gamecocks and Kentucky, the home opener for South Carolina. Fellas, good stuff today. We're going to continue on with some uh, news and information for Gamecock fans uh, regarding some of the activities that are going on at Williams-Brice as part of the tailgate uh, for tonight's ball game. But want to let you guys get on to other things today. Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Emerson. All right. Thank you, fellas. Gamecock fans, you will want to check this out. Fans getting set for the first home game tonight. And the Gamecocks want to let you know what's new in and around Williams-Brice Stadium in 2017 that will create a better fan experience for all. First of all, the South Carolina Game Day app has some great updates, including the ability to manage your tickets. You can use your cell phone as a mobile ticket, and you can also upgrade your seats from the app. You can still use the South Carolina Game Day app to listen to free live streaming of all Gamecock IMG Sports Network radio broadcasts for football, basketball, and baseball. Download the South Carolina Game Day app now from the App Store. So here's what we got new in and around Williams-Brice for 2017. The Gamecock Village on Bluff Road continues to be a must-see destination before each home game with interactive games, sponsor giveaways, and inflatables for kids. The party is bigger and better this year with live music on site each week starting tonight with the Kenny George Band before the game against Kentucky. Small contingents of the Carolina Band will be performing throughout tailgating areas two and a half hours prior to kickoff. Just look for members of the Carolina Band mingling with fans throughout Gamecock Park and the fairgrounds to help create the proper game day atmosphere during the Carolina Band tailgate takeover. Inside of the stadium, fans will notice upgrades to the concession areas, expanded menus expected in the future, and additionally, you will no longer have to worry about stopping at the ATM before the game as every point of purchase inside the stadium now accepts debit and credit cards. Of course, the 2001 team entrance on the field will now be accompanied by pyrotechnics as the players come onto the field. Gamecock fans are encouraged to get loud. The mighty sound of the Southeast will continue to play inside of Williams-Brice, and the amount of time that they play will remain the same. Fans will also enjoy a new live DJ with DJ A minor, as Wes told you about, in position to keep crowds energized throughout the game. And the end zone video board will be utilized more than ever before with new lineup introductions, player stingers, as well as spectacular videos from Gamecock Athletics, including a new video to be played at the start of the fourth quarter. So that's what's new in and around Williams-Brice Stadium. That's going to wrap it up for Gamecock Central's Game Day Podcast here on Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks very much to Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark, also to Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com and Colin Taylor, our staff writer with Gamecock Central. For all these fellas, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the ball game tonight and keep it tuned to Gamecock Central Radio.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.